With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Liberty and reason still reign. All writers are prone to becoming so attached to our characters and stories that we struggle to see why a passage may not be working. It takes another set of eyes to help us nurture our writing to full maturity. At Black Wolf Editorial Services, we strive to enable writers to develop and grow shaping stories into masterpieces that can stand the test of time. Editing services are provided for all genres and all age categories. Services range from critiques of the short story through to the line edits of the full-length novel and copy editing for those preparing for publication. We also offer assistance on generating a writer's file for your website, as well as help with those book blurbs and promotional material. We won't abandon you to the masses. We want to celebrate with you and your successes. Black Wolf Editorial Services, nurturing your writing into maturity. For a full list of services and prices, visit us at blackwolfeditorial.com. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-610-9050. That's 800-610-9050. 800-610-9050. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. This is Slickery Trigger from Rebel Road Tactical. With proper care and feeding, your pistol will be ready when you need it. There to save your life. Shouldn't your gear be that good? Whether you need a holster for comfortable, everyday carry, or a tough-as-nails holster for your next training course, Rebel Road Tactical has what you need. Check us out on the web at rebelroadtactical.com. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 
$1 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-7602 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-7602 to take your call right now. Call 1-800-516-7602. That's 1-800-516-7602. Again, 1-800-516-7602. The world around us is an amazing place filled with beauty and with science. But let's face it. Sometimes science can be so confusing that it takes a PhD to understand it. Well, you're in luck. I just happen to have a PhD. Come and take a seat. Perhaps I can explain the world around us in a way we all can understand. Welcome to Conversations in Science. I'm Dr. Judy L. Moore. Call me Doc. Hi, guys, and it's this is a very special episode of Conversations in Science. I am Dr. Judy Elmore, and I do have a PhD as my interest ed. Today, I'm actually going to be talking about earthquakes and the science behind some of the earthquakes. Why am I doing this? Why is this a special thing? Well, New Zealand, the country of which I live in, we had a 7.5 earthquake that struck not that far out of Culverton, which is literally two to three hours drive north of where I happen to live, and it struck last night at midnight. My heart is still racing, but this is my way of coping, explaining that earthquakes, they do happen. Somewhere around here, I have Jess, Jesse, Jesse Jesse Sanders. Where are you, Jess? Right here, Doc. How you doing? I'm okay. You're going to need to be there to keep me calm. Make sure I don't go all technobabble on me, please. <laughs> don't I always duck? Always, always. Right, so an earthquake. Now, the biggest question is obviously, why do we have earthquakes? What are they? Well, the earth is actually a big, giant bit of crust that's actually sitting on lava, a bit of muck, uh, the bit of magma it's a liquid core and so that crust is constantly moving around now it's not a single piece of crust if it was we probably wouldn't have all the tectonic movements that we do have but we have a whole bunch of different tectonic plates that are moving at slightly different rates and they are actually pressing up against each other that's where we get the mountains from that's where we get our islands from that's where we get all the various different topography that we have within our land that's where it all comes from Hey, Doc, now, New Zealand. Doc, before yes, you get yes. too far into it, you t- wanted to tell the uh, listeners what it means if you suddenly go very, very quiet on us. Oh, thank you for reminding me. Okay, we the 7.5 earthquake that we had was only at midnight last night. And we had another aftershock only half an hour ago, and it was a 6.3. So we are still getting big quakes coming through. If I suddenly go silent, it's because we've got another aftershock that has just hit and my heart will be racing and I will be waiting to see whether I need to dive for cover. 
I'll give you a bit of a, an idea here. Okay, 6.3 earthquake is a big quake. But I live about two to three hours south of the epicenter. So by the time the quake gets to me, what I've got is what feels like a rocky boat on the ocean. I don't need to dive if I'm on a rocky boat on the ocean, but I do need to sit down and I do need to be stay still. That's true. The thing is, is with, with earthquakes though, and we've been through this before, they can suddenly ramp up and we can suddenly get one that's really big. And we've had this before. I probably should explain that one too. Six years ago, September 2010, Christchurch, New Zealand was struck by a 7.1. That's my home city. Okay, that's huge, it's, Doc. That's huge. That was huge. It was freaky as anything. And there was a lot of memories that still go around about that. Six months later, February 22nd, 2011, a 6.3 strikes Christchurch. It leveled the city. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, I still live in Christchurch. So the big one didn't level the city, but probably weakened everything. And then the little one comes along and flattens everything like a pancake duck? Exactly. And this is the thing that's a bit interesting. And it's one of the things that we need to stress. Just because it is a large quake on the Richter scale does not mean that the damage is going to be as severe as something that is smaller. There are other factors that come into play. You have a question of how close were you to the epicenter? You have a question of how close to the surface did that quake originate? You also have a question about did it happen out at sea? Did it happen in the middle of a, a rocky field? What sort of type of land did it happen on? There are so many different factors involved. And Christchurch, yeah, it was a bit, we're still recovering, and we're now dealing with it almost six years later. We're, still, we're going good, though. We're getting better. <laughs> well, that's good that everything's getting better, Doc. So did Mother Nature just fart? does feel like that. And when I first heard that comment come through on my Facebook feed that one of the teenagers was going, Mother Nature just farted. It's like, yeah, I think that might be a good way of describing it. Because what an earthquake really is, is where you have your tectonic plates, they're pushing up against each other, you have all that stress and all that pressure that's just building there. And something eventually has to give. So what it does is it literally just bursts open, a bit like a fart. You're trying to hold on to that fart, and the next thing you know, it's gone, and out it goes. Can we and tell Mother Nature to lay off the chili? Can we tell Mother Nature to lay off the chili? <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. Six years of quakes. I've had enough. I don't want any more. But hey, I'm not leaving Christchurch. This is my home city. I love it, and I'm not going to leave. <laughs> okay, carrying along with the Christchurch or with the quakes that we're currently experiencing in New Zealand, they're an interesting bunch of quakes that we've got because normally what you see when you have earthquakes, you'll have your big, big event and then you'll have a series of aftershocks within short succession and they will keep getting weaker and weaker and weaker, but they will be within pretty much the same region. 
it will basically be a bit, they'll be scattered and they'll look like a funky dots. But after a while, you do see that they are all pretty much centralized around where the epicenter, the original quake was. That's what we had when we had the Christchurch quakes. However, this lot of quakes is acting differently. You have the original event that was just north of, uh, it was northeast of Culverton. And it was sort of struck in between uh, Hamner Springs and Kaikoura. And of course, Kaikoura, which is a coastal city, tourist attraction. And unfortunately, they are seriously devastated. So this is going to be interesting to see how they recover. But the aftershocks are all spreading up the country. They keep traveling further north. They're heading from that region of where Kaikoura is and heading up towards Wellington, which is our national capital, and up through and continuing on in the North Island. And there's actually been a few quakes continuing up right out as well, up to the Bay of Plenty. It's been very interesting because you can trace a line of where these are going. They don't know why it's doing this, but one of the things they are speculating is that maybe there was what they call a slow quake. So something that didn't quite register properly, and we certainly didn't necessarily notice it, that happened before the main event that maybe triggered the quake that everybody felt. And I should probably stress that we have felt this 7.5 throughout the entire country. There are some sites that are saying that it's been downgraded to 6.6, .6, which it was last night, but they have since upgraded it again back to a 7.5. Was wow, not Doc. a 7.8 that's being reported by sites like CNN. Geonet, which is our national body that goes through and monitors these things, is reporting a 7.5. Okay, Doc, take a breath. <laughs> you just threw Sorry. a whole stack of numbers at us. What do all okay. these things mean? Okay. A Richter scale is a way of deciding or explaining how much power was in that earthquake. The way that you can understand it is maybe think of a bomb, a bomb going off. If you measure how much kilotons that that bomb exploded, then you can get an idea of how strong a force it was. A 7.5 earthquake equates to about 180,000 kilo, 80, kilotons of force. That's huge, Doc. That's huge. It, it is absolutely huge, which is why the entire country felt this quake. It is a big, big deal. And as it continues, it, this, the Richter scale is not a linear scale. It's what we call a logarithmic thing. So just a small number change, and it will be a significantly stronger quake. There's a, if I go back to, to movies, okay, um, the movie Independence Day with Will Smith, there's a line in there where he wakes up and goes, was that a quake? Was that a quake? And the character, the character that was with him says, go back to bed. It wasn't even a 4.0. And I cracked up laughing because that is really what it's like. Um, if you have been living in a quake-ridden area, anything that's less than a 4.0, you really don't notice it. They're actually quite calm and gentle things. But you start getting to the fives. Yep, okay, you might sway in your walking. You're talking about a six. 
Okay, we're talking some serious movement here. You're talking about a seven. If you are really close to that epicenter, you're not just sitting down. You're holding on for your dear life and hoping you're not screaming. <laughs> They're pretty big. Okay, Doc. That, that, that puts a better picture out there for everybody. Yeah. So these quakes, the thing that's, uh, there's a couple of things that I just find interesting because I'm seeing so many articles come out. You know, I'm a bit of a astronomy buff, so I'm always watching bits and pieces. And tomorrow we see the supermoon. The supermoon is when the full moon hits its perigee. So okay, the perigee Doc. is when its moon is the closest to the earth. And so we get a full moon when the moon is the closest to its Earth. And that is quite an interesting concept because that means its force on the Earth, its gravitational pull, will be in its most. However, for those that are thinking, oh, we have earthquakes because of this supermoon, no, that's not what's going on. It, it is a bit of a coincidence, yes, that we are getting massive earthquakes, especially in New Zealand when we've got a supermoon, but that's not what's really happening. The, the effect that the earth, that the moon has on the earth is pretty insignificant compared to some of the other forces that are involved. Okay, that's one question I had. Now, the other question is, I noticed right after the earthquake, there was a tsunami warning issued. Now, you were telling me something before we came on air about there couldn't have been a tsunami from this quake. You want to go through and explain that one, Doc? Because I'm still scratching my head. Okay. An earthquake is basically a sudden release of energy, and it goes out in a wave. That's why everybody feels it even a distance away. So it radiates outwards. And that's the point. It radiates outwards. Kind of like throwing rocks in, into a still pond or still lake. Exactly. And you see it rippling outward. Unless you have a body of water that reaches like an atoll or something that's going to reflect that wave backwards at you, you're not going to get a tsunami from something that's, that originated on land. Okay. If it was out in the ocean, then yes, there is a risk. But not something that originated on land, unless it does a reflection concept where it's bouncing back and coming back to you. Anything that's on the Pacific coast of New Zealand, unlikely. If we get an earthquake on the east, uh, on the west coast of New Zealand, then there is a very real possibility that tsunami warnings may be issued in Australia. Because Australia is not very far from where we are. They're just on the other side of the Tasman, Tasman Sea. Okay. I think I'm getting so, this, Doc. <laughs> well, that's good. Especially considering I'm a bit scattered-brained, and I'm not quite sure where I'm going with any of this. Not today. <laughs> That's okay, Doc. That's okay. We're following right along with you. So, 
You were, you okay, so fire me a question. You mentioned that, you know, you guys have been through some pretty big quakes that were actually centered in Christchurch. How did your family, I was thinking particularly the reaction of your son, if you don't mind sharing <laughs> that. That was amusing. Oh, it was seriously amusing. Last night when this quake hit, it did hit just after midnight. And I had just brushed my teeth and I was heading out and, and going to bed. And I literally had just stepped into the threshold of the doorway between the bathroom and the hallway and the quake hit. At which point I just sort of went, I think I'll just stay here. <laughs> and I was waiting for the quake to get bigger. A few seconds later, my daughter sort of bolted out of her bed and was in her doorframe. And she's not a happy chappy. She was a bit crying and going, Mom, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. And I was like, just stay there. Just ride it out. We'll be fine. My son, 15-year-old, he opens the door to his room and he plods out of the room, very lethargic, very half asleep, and just sort of leans up against the doorway going, I want to go back to bed. And <laughs> we, I just cracked up. And I just thought it was hilarious to have this 15-year-old going, no, I've had enough of this. I want to go back to bed. And, of course, he did. He was – he actually said he started to feel dizzy, that he was feeling a bit nauseous from being a bit shaken around. And I have to admit, the quakes that we had, they were – it was long. It, it felt longer than normal, actually. And I think what it was – if I remember back to the 7.1 that we had in September of 2010, we actually had multiple quakes right on top of each other. We had the 7.1, which only lasted maybe one or two seconds, but then we had a 6 and then a 5 and then another 6 right on top of one another. So it never let up. It, it went solid for about 15 minutes. And I think that's what happened in this case as well, that they've had the aftershocks, one after another. But by the time it got to us, there probably wasn't enough of a gap in the lull uh, between, the in between the different waves for us to feel that the quake had stopped. So we were sitting in our doorways for a good minute, at least, waiting for the house to stop moving because it was still moving. And it was moving not that long ago as well. <laughs> So the waves kind of caught up to each other, huh? Yeah, I think so. I think so. There's interesting things about earthquakes and the studies of waves. Because an earthquake can actually have two different types of waves that you can get. The two waves, to be a little bit technical, it, we've got a P wave, a primary wave, or an S wave, the secondary wave. And if you look at what's happening with the ground, in a P wave, it looks like parts of the ground are being compressed together and then pulled apart. And then compressed together and then pulled apart. As it's going in the direction of propagation. So it's this forward and backward movement of the wave in the direction that the wave is going. It's pretty weird to watch. An S wave or the secondary wave looks more like a snake going across ground. So you've got two ways of doing it. It can literally snake around 
or it could roll. And so if you ever hear somebody talking about a rolling earthquake, that it felt like it was the ground was rolling under their feet, then they got what they call the S wave. And you can sometimes get them all compounded into one. But if I look at where the quake was centered and the motion that we got as we were moving along, I think we had S waves last night because it really was this snake type motion that we got going through the house. It, it was weird. <laughs> now at the epicenter, they probably had the P waves. Yeah, they would have had probably the conversation combination, but you still get the S wave coming out and radiating, but they would have gotten some pretty nasty stuff coming through. Now, and they probably wouldn't have cared whether it was a P wave or an S wave because they probably were just holding on for dear life. <laughs> true, true. Unless it was somebody that studies earthquakes in the middle of it, and then I bet they were wishing they were at work. <laughs> now, oh, uh, there's so many things about those that you just like. Interesting people. <laughs> and what can I say? Now, there was a road that you were showing me pictures of earlier. We'll have to get some of these pictures and put them up. Oh, yes. Uh, that was State, Hi um, State Highway 1. So this goes, State Highway 1 goes all the way down from Blenheim, Picton and Blenheim and keeps carrying down and it goes right down the east coast of the country through Christchurch, carries on to... Uh, so it would be basically uh, like the highway running along California between San Diego and San Francisco? Yeah, yeah, that would be basically it. But... And it just goes right along the coastline, the entire, pretty much most of the way down the country. In the section that's between Hemna Springs and, you know, Kaikoura and, and that sort of region, the road, I would say it's pretty much toast. It's, there was big gaps in it. There were sections that were lifted a good meter, maybe two, into the air. You had landslides that went right over it and completely covered parts of it. I think parts of it even found the ocean and disappeared. Um, you have tunnels that are there that go through parts of that road. And, yeah, you're not going to be able to use those tunnels for quite some time. That road was interesting. Interesting is probably the only word I can think of, really, to describe it. <laughs> Interesting work, Doc. Deep breath. Now, they were saying that uh, parts of the the ferries, the ferries that were, you know, because parts of the country are connected by ferries. Well, the ferries ha have to dock at special made docks so they can get cars off mm. and cargo and people and everything else. Yeah, the, um, the Cook Strait goes right through the middle of the country. We have our, our country is basically in two, two halves. You have the North Island and the South Island. And yes, that's what they are called. And right in the middle is the Cook Strait. And the ferries go between Wellington and Picton. And you can drive your car onto the ferry or whatever and just, in theory, drive off on the other side. However, because of the quakes, the docks on both ends, so you're talking the ones that are in Picton, as well 
as the ones that are in Wellington were damaged. And they can't dock these boats, these big, huge ferries, to get the cars and all the containers that go on with the trains and all those stuff. They can't get it off. I don't know what they're going to do, but it's going to be an interesting problem to have to solve. Now, you were saying that these ferries are actually seagoing, are capable of being ocean-going vessels, so they could go up to go to Auckland. Now, is that north or south they of you, could, Doc? That Auckland is a North Island, and it's quite far north. Uh, they could also possibly go to Tauranga, which is also in the North Island. If they had to come back to the South Island, they would probably be most likely diverted out of Picton and maybe into Blenheim. If Blenheim's damaged as well, because Blenheim's got a few ferry um, ports, if they're damaged as well, then the nearest port in the South Island is actually Christchurch. So it is a bit of a, a, a trite. The thing is, is the Cook Strait, I have been in the Cook Strait in a seven, what was it, a five-meter swell. Five meters, one meter is uh, about three feet. It's just about a yard. So... A five-meter swell would be about a five- or six-yard swell in the water. And that's a lot. Those waves are big. They're big waves. I think we've gotten the hint. I really do. So anything else you want to tell us about earthquakes, Doc? Um, I can't think of really oh. think anything else except for maybe um, there are a lot of research is being done on earthquakes in New Zealand. Because in New Zealand, we have the Alpine Fault, which goes through majority of the country. It's one of the biggest faults in the world. New Zealand actually sits, half of New Zealand is on the Indonesian-Australian tectonic plate, and the other half of New Zealand is on the Pacific plate. So we have this fault line that goes right through the country, right through the middle. And if you look at the South Island, you can actually see where that fault line actually is because the West Coast is all nice and green and quite flat. And then suddenly you have the Alps just suddenly sitting there. So you can see where the fault lines actually is. The thing is, is historically, they have been able to look at various different geological studies. And they can say that the fault line, the Alpine fault, goes and releases every two to 400 years. Well, we're overdue. A bit like the San Andreas Fault. They keep saying it's going to go, it's going to go, it's going to go. They keep saying the same thing with the Alpine Fault here, that it's going to go, it's going to go. But one of the things they are doing is there are a few places in the world where they have drilled into the ground, deep into the ground, shortly after a quake, so they can study the mechanisms and the geological structures of what has happened during that quake. In New Zealand, they are actually doing this now, before the quakes have happened. So they're hoping to get the information to actually decide, to actually go through and predict when it really will go so we can prepare ourselves. Does this make any sense? <laughs> yes, Doc. Now, we were discussing earthquake and natural disaster preparedness a little bit because, well... You're in the middle of potentially more earthquakes. Yeah. Now, you were saying that you tell me about your earthquake preparedness kit. Where is it? 
<laughs> okay, where is my earthquake preparedness kit? Where is everyone's earthquake preparedness kit or emergency kits? In my garage. That's where it is. Can I get to it? No. My garage is full of crap. It's got bikes. It's got an old mattress sitting in there. I've got bookcases filled to the brim of books that just don't fit in the house. I've got my husband's tools. I've got the camping gear, the tramping gear. I've got it all. It's all over the place. And you can't get in there. Most people are the same. The reality of a situation, if you're going through and living through an earthquake, most of the things that you need are actually in your house. You're going to need your canned goods. You're going to need whatever other shelf items that you've got for cooking. You're going to need bottled water. And yes, you will need to stock up a decent supply of bottled water. You're looking at at least a liter a day per person. And you need to plan to be without water for up to three days, even if you live in a city. It generally takes about three days for them to mo mobilize water tankers to get them to the city. And that, unfortunately, Christchurch citizens learned that one the hard way. We learned that one the hard way six years ago. Now, I wanted to sh there was yep. something else we were discussing real quick. And it had to do with flashlights, or as you call them, torches. Before the first big quake, where'd you keep your torches or flashlights? I had all of my torches in a sort of like a box up on the bookshelf in the middle of my lounge. I didn't think that that would be a problem. The September quake hit September 2010, and it hit at 4 o'clock in the morning. So you're talking, it was still dark outside. It was pitch black. And... I couldn't find my torches because they were buried in amongst all the books and the bookshelves and everything that had fallen down. I couldn't get to them. I had to wait until light before I could find them. So in the end, I found myself using battery-operated candles in my kitchen that I knew were there. Last night, when we had the quake hit, I did have a fear that the power was going to go out. So the first thing I did was I came out to my desk where I now have my torches sitting in a drawer just right on right next to my desk. And I made sure that I knew that I had torches with full batteries and that I had at least one that I can easily grab. Right now, I have one in my bathroom, in my toilet area. It may sound like a bizarre place to put it, but I've got a tiny little bathroom, and if things move and if it rolls around, I know I'm going to be able to find it in the dark. Some people go through and say, put it on your nightstand. I don't recommend that one because if it rolls and falls onto the ground, it could easily roll under the bed, and I would never find it. It would be completely gone. So that's why I've got one in the bathroom because then I can easily find it that way. It's a bit of a bizarre thing to think about, but... It's amazing how these sort of events do make you sit down and take note of what you actually were doing, what everybody constantly tells you to do, and then you realize, oh, that's actually not very good advice. We'll do this one instead. All right, Doc. Well, I thank you for telling us all about earthquakes and your experience, and I'm sure you'll get me some photos to tweet out 
and maybe we'll even put up a you're gonna put up a blog post about it i heard right Yeah, I'm in the process of writing one and it might take me a day or two to actually formulate my thoughts into a coherent fashion because I don't always do that, especially at the moment, but that's, hey, that's what we do. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks, Doc. Not a problem, Jess. Well, that brings us to an end of another Conversations in Science. If you have any questions about science and about some of the world around us, feel free to drop me a line. I'm on Twitter, and you can find me at Judy L. Moore, or you can look me up on Facebook, Judy L. Moore, or you can drop me a line on my personal website, JudyLmore.com. I think you're seeing the pattern here. Then, of course, if you are interested in some of the other projects I do, which is the writing and editing, feel free to check me out on blackwolfeditorial.com. But then, of course, don't forget, if you are wanting more information about the science, you can also contact us at the station with the email of science at klrnradio.com. Then, of course, there's my cohort that keeps going through and popping up. You mean me, Doc? Well, for anybody who wants to track me down... You can find me on Twitter at Jesse's POV. And you can also drop me a line at the station at Jesse's POV at KLRNRadio.com. Bye, guys. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.